Hi, I'm Kosha. And I'm Shaylushi. And we're sisters and the co-hosts of the podcast, I Am Speaking with Shaylushi and Kosha. This podcast focuses on sharing and amplifying the voices of people who have felt othered. We've had the chance to hear so many amazing stories. And during season two, one of our running jokes together was that once VP Kamala Harris heard about this podcast, she was definitely going to call us to be a guest, but that we would have to turn her down because her story didn't fit with our theme for that season. But that joke was really the seed for this series. I am speaking with expert voices, an arm of our original and still ongoing podcast. We're excited to share with you the stories and expertise of people who are at the forefront of their fields. And Madam Vice President, with the launch of I Am Speaking with Expert Voices, we are now ready for you to join us at any time. I think that was good, right? Welcome, listeners. Here we are, another episode of I Am Speaking with Expert Voices. And today we have someone really cool to to share with you. Our conversation with her was awesome. She's an illustrator and an artist um, and a voice for social justice. Yes, I am so very excited on several levels about this expert. Her name is Anu Chauhan. And one of the reasons is her name is Anu. So I call my daughter, we call her Batsy, we call her Bats, Batgirl, all that stuff. But her name is actually Anushka. So uh, we call her Anu. And I was tuned in to the artist Anu because I had a book for my daughter and she was looking at it and she saw her name as the illustrated by. And my Anushka like got so happy, Shayla. She, I, I think I, I like screenshot it. I like sent you the pictures and stuff. She was like, she has my name. And it just really showed the, the power of representation in her room. We have an Anu wall where she has her Anushka's own, um, like my daughter's own artwork and then framed prints of Anu Chauhan. I'm like, oh my God. And this woman is like a really, really good artist on top of that. <laughs> right. One thing I noticed is how different her approach to her work was generationally, right? So I'm, I'm not an artist. Everyone who knows me knows I'm not particularly art. art You're not a like, visual artist. <laughs> I'm not a visual artist. Yes. And that is quite an understatement. Um, but I cannot imagine someone of our generation being like, I want to be an illustrator and their parents being like, yeah, cool. Let's go ahead and do that. Right. It's the kind of thing that didn't make sense. And so how different generationally things are. The other thing I really, really loved, um, hearing her talk about was how she uses her art to push boundaries and to advance social justice. Um, and that's that's so cool, right? I think that's a way of advocating that isn't loud. And sometimes you need to slip in the back door and make a make it quiet, right? So that people can engage and then they care about what it's about rather than having that issue in their face and feeling like they, you know, need to wrestle with it. 
Well, I think, you know, you and I have talked several times about everyone can be an advocate in their own way. There's no one way to be an advocate and that I advocate, my advocacy is through this platform. Everyone has their own way. And Anu really has found this sweet spot of doing what she loves and using her platform to to be her own, you know, or to, to create this advocacy work. And I, we are so grateful that Anu found it in her, in her busy schedule. She's got a full-time job to, to come and talk to us, to be really honest, to share some of her stories. And also I'm going to put, because we hear a lot about her drawing of horses or her fear of drawing horses on this podcast, I'm going to put a side-by-side of one of my horses and one of her horses and that to prove that no one should ever be scared of drawing a horse because it's never going to look as terrible as mine. Listeners, this is a real treat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm serious. It's a real treat. So I strongly (laughs) suggest that you find this picture when it goes up somewhere. Someone said, why did you draw a passive aggressive bulldog? <laughs> oh, I did. I did not say that. So that's no, fantastic. you did not. You did. You said some other stuff. But I'm just gonna leave it out there. You can vote for your favorite horse between me and Miss Anu Chohan, and uh, we'll see where that takes us. All so, right, anyway. this is exciting. <laughs> Please enjoy one of our favorite artists, Ms. Anu Chohan. She is speaking. Hi, my name is Anu Chahan, and I am speaking. Hi, welcome, Anu. Hi, Anu. Hi. Listeners, today we're so excited to be speaking with Anu Chohan. She is an illustrator. She is an artist. Um, Her work is amazing. And for the two of us, for Kosha and I, we were blown away by seeing how beautiful our own culture was represented back to us. Certainly for Kosha and I, growing up in the States, at the time that we did, there was almost nothing that, you know, there's no art that looked like us. There was nothing that we could see ourselves in. So both Kosha and I were so excited when we found Anu's work and we're so thrilled to be able to talk to her about it. I think one of the things that that really did blow me away when I found your work, Anu, was it showed really popular images with brown girls. So it's not that you were pulling in, you know, Indian mythology necessarily. The two things that really like struck me was the Shira and your um, Sweet Valley twins, but they were brown. And it's like, those were things that Shailoshi and I grew up with and we're a little bit older than you, but we grew up with, I mean, my parents would like, I would hide Sweet Valley Twins books because they were like, stop reading that. And I would like hide them under my coat when I came home from school and stuff. And, but they were all white girls. Right. And, and that we didn't know any different back then. And then you see these images and you're like, oh my God, like bringing those two things together, like part of your two parts of your identity 
uh, it really did. It, it hit this really beautiful spot in my heart. Like it, I was like, we have to talk to her. And then, as you know, Anu, you Anu, your name is Anu. <laughs> yes. And my daughter's name is Anu. And you illustrated a page or a couple pages in, it, it's like superhero girls for, or supergirls. Yeah, stories for South Asian supergirls. That's what it is. And my Anu saw your name. And again, she was like, oh, someone with my name. I've never seen that before. And now, now she has the wall of Anu where uh, like it's at a corner, <laughs> it's at a corner and one side of the wall is all your stuff. And then the other side is all of her stuff. But now we'll stop gushing and we'll actually ask you about your life story. <laughs> she hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> I know. She's like, okay, yes. Yeah, yes. She told the name of the one book. Field. <laughs> so where does your story start? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I know it's been a long time coming and I've heard of little Anu and I've heard of her wall of Anu and I, that made me so happy. I was like, wow, like way to make me feel super special, right? <laughs> and it's nice to have a bond with like someone else that's like, you know, like a lot younger. Cause I know when I was her age, I would love it if there was someone with my name that was like illustrating stuff as well. So yeah, I'm an illustrator. I also work in the games industry right now. Um, I have dabbled in animation. Yeah, like I've been drawing my whole life almost for as long as I can remember. And I knew when I was a kid that I wanted to do something like with my life that had to do with that. I didn't know what that meant for a really long time. Even in high school, I had no idea. I journeyed through my 20s and tried a whole bunch of different things that I landed where I am now. Working as an illustrator, um, working on books, like a freelance um, illustrator for books preparing for my own book coming out that I wrote and will be illustrating and yeah and working in the games industry um I guess we cannot talk about all those things like in compartments throughout this conversation but I guess like TLDR like there were a lot of ups and downs to get to where <laughs> I am right now so let's let's start at the beginning right so you said that it's you know this is always kind of as a kid this is something that was in your wheelhouse when did that start for you? Was it something that you did in school? Was it something that you picked up just on your own? Where did you, where did your love of drawing start? I think it started mostly at home uh, just because like I, like many other kids who ultimately end up in this or people who end up in this career. Uh, I love Disney movies growing up. I used to watch a ton of cartoons. I go to these like video rental places and take out like movies or like shows. I have an older sister. I think she's about your both of yours age. And she was the one who introduced me to like She-Ra and Gem and the Holograms and all that kind of stuff. You're like a millennial, right? Like firmly a millennial. Yeah, my yeah. sister's Gen X. Yeah, so, so are we. And so, you know, when I saw that you were, you know, so much younger, I was, a, I was like, wow, She-Ra is like, that's quite the statement for someone who's, you know, full like 10 years younger than me or whatever. So, so yeah, so she like had a whole bunch of babysitters club books and like a bunch of Sweet Valley twins. And she had the dolls, like Gemma Hologram dolls that I unfortunately pulled the head off of one or two of them. <laughs> it, happens. it happens. It happens. Like, you know, I was three, like she shouldn't have given it to me if they were so treasured. So whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a problem. Yeah. It's not my problem. I didn't know any better. <laughs> yes, I agree. That's when I started kind of, you know, like drawing. Like I love drawing girls. Like I love drawing figures. Even from a young age, I just make characters. 
as a kid, like I didn't really know how to draw anything else. Like I just knew how to draw people. <laughs> um, I wasn't an animal character drawer. Like I know a lot of kids go like, I love drawing ponies and unicorns. I'm like, I don't understand how horse anatomy works. I'm not going to try. So <laughs> it just kind of started one day and I didn't stop. But most kids don't actually like their horses and ponies don't look like horses and ponies. It sounds like you had, you were a stickler for like accuracy where you're like, if I don't understand, if I can't draw a horse well, I'm not going to go there. We're like, most kids are not like, well, that's not what the musculature looks like. Right. So, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was more so that like, I just didn't want to. But are you a perfect, were you a perfectionist from the beginning where you're like, if I don't understand it, if I can't do it really well and accurately, that's not my wheelhouse. Kind of, but not really. Cause like, obviously when I look back at my, again, my art as a kid, like it wasn't very good. Right. And that's just the way it is. Right. Like I, but I, I had fun with it. Like I had like, Oh, like princess dresses have puffy sleeves. Like I it should, I should draw her with like these circular sleeves or tiaras are like have three points on them. Like, you know, like I kind of had a, I was a stickler in that way, but I just, I just like to draw. So I just kept going. Um, the nice thing about where I grew up though, is that it has a huge Punjabi community. He, like in general, it's a big Indian community. So I never felt isolated growing up. Like I always knew that this community was here. And I think I took that for granted for a really long time. Um, and like, there were times when I was like, this is so annoying. Like, it's just, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> too many brown people, right? too many brown people. And it's just like, I'm just trying to be me. Like, I'm not Desi. What? As I grew up, it eventually turned into me really appreciating that I had that because I know a lot of people don't think about Vancouver area is that it's very multicultural here in general. Right. So I felt like I didn't grow up in a bubble either. Is art something that you pursued during high school? Did you this is the thing I want to do outside of my regular coursework. Yeah, because I, high school was when I like discovered anime and manga and my friends and I all kind of bonded over that. So that was like really huge for me. Um, and I did take art like every year in high school as well. I don't know if I particularly enjoyed art class in high school. Like I did for a few years. I had a really awesome teacher, Miss Moulin, who I think is my, my favorite teacher of all time. But there were like, as like in the later, um, like grade 10, 11, 12, like I kind of started to shift towards like, I just like drawing for myself at home, more so like studying about it. Um, this was also around the time when I was starting to think like, okay, art is just for fun, but I should probably like not have this as my job. Like I was starting to kind of talk myself out of it, but I was like still in the mindset of like, okay, I'll do something creative, not necessarily drawing maybe, but there was an episode in like grade 11 and 12 where my dad was just like, you know, law school is a thing. And I was like, yeah, okay. it is we all know law school is a thing. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, why don't I motion towards that? And then it's like, okay, I guess like I could just draw for fun, like as a hobby, but that didn't happen, thankfully. So Yeah, I can, I honestly cannot imagine someone who has a soul of an artist going to law school. That's like the opposite of art you know what though I do know somebody who went to law school and is a very successful illustrator and but the thing is she can like con she can negotiate her own contract so that's the good thing mm, yeah and now I'm just like true. maybe my dad was one to something <laughs> <laughs> but we won't tell him well he's gonna probably hear this and he'll be like I told you <laughs> <laughs> 
Let me suggest that rather than having gone to law school, what might be more helpful is if you took like a community college class in contract negotiation <laughs> yeah. or something like some sort of online class. And then you have that expertise without having spent three years in law school or and however many thousands of dollars. There, there definitely was a period in my dad's life where he's like, I need one of my kids to be a lawyer. <laughs> so what does your sister do? She's a staff rep at a government employees union. And my dad has a union background as well. So yeah, that's pretty close to law. Right. So I'm just like social activist work. Like she followed in your footsteps. Like I, I'm happy to not be doing that right now at all. So <laughs> uh, my older child is moving in to ninth grade is leaving eighth and going to ninth and has been taking art for three years. And one of the things that they do is like, they do drawing, but they also do like pottery and they, you know, this and that there's like the whole spectrum of art. I imagine for you who really, you know, love is really an illustration that like having to do pottery is like, ugh. like it's fine, but not what you love. Yeah. I, ha I don't know why, um, but I took ceramics. I think it's because my friends were all taking ceramics and was like, I want to take ceramics. Uh, I hated it. <laughs> I just like, yeah, I'm, I wasn't a big fan of painting either when I was in high school. That was something I actually started to like more later. But just like that whole like in art class, you have to be like exposed to everything sort of thing. Didn't, and like collages and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to draw. <laughs> Right. Like, so I think that's, you know, that can also be part of it, which is like when you go into that and you're like, okay, I really like this, but if I have to do all this stuff, maybe I don't want to do all this stuff. Whereas like you get out of elementary, you, you get out of those sort of high school years. And then it's like, you want to focus on this, you focus on that. Yeah. But I will say the one thing though, like my um, grade nine art teacher, she was very encouraging Cause like I had a teacher later who would kind of just like be a bit more flippant about like my drawings and be like, Oh, but like, you can't like anime is not a real style. Like it's a thing. It, it is. And I, I know a lot of people got this criticism when they were younger, like, Oh, like don't just draw like that kind of thing. That's not going to get you anywhere. And like me making replicas of Picasso paintings isn't going to get me anywhere either. Most likely. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. Right. But there was, and I knew that, like in art school, if you want to get into commercial animation, a strong grasp on character design is really important, right? So going back to my older art teacher, she always kind of believed in that. She's like, yeah, like if you really like doing that, you should do that. But I kind of let all the other voices when I was graduating high school get to me. And so I never applied to animation school um, right after high school. Like I was just like, no, I'll just go to like a proper university. I'll get a BA and then maybe I'll figure it out later. I mean, I don't regret that either because I feel like I learned a lot, of course, in university. Um, I did end up taking a somewhat creative course, like I took um, interaction design, but I ultimately ended up going to animation school after my- Anyway? Course. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I can imagine for you, like you met a ton of people, you learned about different people that actually you are able to put into your artwork. Yeah. No, like I feel like I grew up a lot in, in university and I feel like, yeah, you get exposed to lots of different ways of thinking and stuff like that. So I don't regret it at all. Like I know it didn't really, um, wasn't a direct correlation to what I ultimately ended up doing, but you know, like I made connections through university that ultimately got me jobs later. Yeah. I feel like it just expanded my worldview. Like I know that with a lot of applied 
training programs, you just learn one thing. But this way, like with university, you end up learning a lot of different things. But that said, yeah, you don't have to go to like university to like ultimately get a job or anything. I think that's like a farce, right? Yeah. Um, and university is really expensive, right? So I just think that it is more important to kind of focus on what it is you really want to do. Like I got lucky because my parents supported me, right? And if I had to get student loans to university, I probably would have reconsidered and been like, no, I really just want to go to animation school, get the training, and then I can start what I want to do. So I think that privilege of mine is why, like, I was like, yeah, I'll just do this. Yeah, I think it's also also very true of all of us. I mean, I was just telling someone the other day that from the time I was nine until the time I was 20, I was 100%, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going to be a doctor. And then I had to apply to medical school. And I was like, I don't want to apply to medical school. And then I saw what people were doing in medical school. And I was like, I don't want to do that either. I just wanted to skip from like university to like practicing medicine. And so (laughs) my point being that like, also part of going through university is you get not just exposed to different people, but the fact that you're doing different things, you're like, oh, maybe I could follow this path a little bit or, oh, no, this isn't for me. I actually want to do this, right? Just having that exposure to like critical thinking and literature and like all this stuff will eventually make whatever you do sort of a more robust experience for you both in university and then afterwards. Yeah. And I think like the program that I ultimately ended up taking, it did serve me a lot as I started to like, cause like this whole time I didn't stop drawing, right? Like I was still drawing on the side at home and stuff, but it was through university that like I learned how to use Photoshop and Illustrator more so for graphic design work and web design. But then ultimately like I was able to like apply that to my own work as well. Um, so I just kind of took advantage of everything that I learned there and figured out how to apply it to like my own stuff. Yeah. Was, were there any extracurriculars, any, you know, sort of outside of classroom work options to engage in artwork? Like were there art clubs or could, you you know, I know the university that Kosh and I went to, there was a student art show and you did not have to be an art student to submit to that show. So were there things like that, that you participated in, or at least, you know, were like, were able to be engaged in while you were there? Honestly, not really. Um, like this Vancouver, metro Vancouver area, like there's so many, there's University of BC, Simon Fraser University, and a whole bunch of like smaller colleges. They're all over the place. So like a lot of the people from here who go to school, like we didn't have to like move far away to go to school. So it wasn't like we were moving to a new town and had to like make new friends and circles and stuff like that. So I didn't really participate in like university life or college life like that because we like me and my friends from university we all just kind of hung out or like would just do stuff anyway in a way sometimes like it would have been cool to go to like university in another city but like live to live on campus or something yeah, like that. yeah. it might have been it might have been a really cool experience but like it's fine I I think for me like I just like I remember being really busy all the time in university with like studying stuff like that I just didn't really want to spend more time on campus that I needed to you know like I sometimes I'd be there like especially in the later like in the years like leading up to graduation and getting my BA like I'd be at campus like 10 hours a day like I'm like I don't have time for all this other stuff I remember like the 
like the Gidda team tried to like get me to join them and I was like I don't have time to dance (laughs) it's like oh Gidda yeah like um Bhangra and Gidda like like, it's like yeah like because like you said like we have a huge Punjabi community here so like they have very competitive Bhangra teams and Gidda teams here I don't have time to dance (laughs) I don't even have time to sleep like please leave me alone no but they were awesome and I I like at the back of my mind I was like that would have been fun to join some sort of extracurricular thing in university or like or a team or like participate in sports but it is what it is like it's it's fine yeah 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 it sounds like it sounds like drawing was like a solo mission for you do your friends draw like were they into art too or or was that kind of where you were in your own world um, I had friends who drew and stuff, but I think out of my core friend group at that time, like, I think I was the only one that was just like, this is what I want to do one day. Like, it's like, I was like actively pursuing it. Um, a lot of my friends who did draw at the time, it was more so just like a hobby sort of thing. And it wasn't until like, I went to animation school later that I met people who were like me that were just like drawing all the time when they were younger. And then decided to do something about it. <laughs> but what was that transition like for you after university and then the t- between then and going to animation school? Sort of what was that like? That year that I graduated, I think I was starting to get pretty over it, actually. Um, I was starting to think like, wow, like I should have just like, I was afraid to leave university halfway to jump to animation school, even though I remember like a couple of my friends had advised me, like, why don't you just like, you're clearly not loving this like why don't you just like want to do that and I think I didn't want to let my parents down um especially because you know like I did have a scholarship but like they helped me so much with university I didn't want to and I I, and it wasn't like a guilt thing like I I really do I did feel that way and I still do like I didn't want to just leave that I did get my BA but about a few, like a few months later, I applied to the local animation school, Capilano University, which has a really good commercial animation program. And it's hard to get into. Um, I remember like, so let's see, I graduated from university in 2011. And then in 2012, I started Capilano. So I did take a chunk of time. Like I remember like after university, I, I traveled with some of my friends to Europe. And I just kind of did my own thing. And like, I got a part-time job for a while. Like a lot of my friends from university, they jumped into a career. There was kind of that recession happening, I think at the same time, if I can remember correctly. So some of them, you know, like got jobs right away. Some didn't, but they ultimately did. But that's because that was what they wanted to do. They wanted to be interaction designers. And I knew I didn't, right? So I'm like, I don't want to like start a career in something that I'm ultimately going to leave or hate or something. So I'm glad that I took a chance and applied and got into um, the Capilano program. It was because of that, that I really felt like I was, I really felt like I belonged. That's the right word. I felt like I belonged there. So what, when you say it's hard to get into, is it like, there's just so many applicants? Is it a really tedious, like an arduous process? What is it, what is it that is difficult about that process about getting in it's they want you to have a certain level of skill to get in and I was afraid that maybe I didn't have the skill set so 
here's the thing so when I was in university I <laughs> would apply to like the Walt Disney animation training programs and the Pixar training programs and I'm sure like I did not have the skills necessary for those programs at all right like looking back it's like no I are didn't. you just being hard on yourself no or? I okay. I truly did not like looking back and because like I'll jump to this later but like I'm an art director now for games for a game studio and you just kind of can tell more like as you get like as you get more experience like what it takes for certain studios like are you a good fit for that for that studio and I really I didn't have like the training I didn't really and I didn't have peers that were animators or anything like that so I just was kind of throwing something together and hoping for the best and now the animation like for applying for these kinds of programs is all online but back then you had to mail it so I put all this like effort into like making this like really cool looking folder that I made myself with like all these like photocopies or printouts of my art and it's just like this isn't no like it's fine I I, I don't like <laughs> it's funny to like look back at that now but um yeah so then those experiences kind of made me think oh I'm probably not good enough for Capilano either but I remember I did go to their open house that they had and I talked and like the professor there was kind of doing a talk about like you know what should you put in your portfolio what kind of stuff do we look for and I didn't know any of that when I was applying for programs in the past so this time I really did my research and I really did my best to make something that was like compelling um so they I got shortlisted and then I had to do a test. Like um, they asked me to like draw some certain things and yeah, I got in, so. And when you got in, you were like, yes, no questions at all. I'm going, like you didn't even have to think about it, right? I didn't have to think about it. I was like, no, I, I, this, is, this is what I need. Like, I know, like, I think my mom was like, well, like you're already what, like 23? Like maybe you should just start working now. I'm like, no, no, no. Once I work here, I'll get a job. Like this will help me get a job. And it did, so. <laughs> how, how long is animation school? So it, it's not a full BA program. It's a, it was a diploma, so it was two years. And that's why it appealed to me because I'm like, okay, I can do that. Because a lot of people do like additional training after university, like it's no big deal. It sounds like the equivalent of like a master's program or something. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because ma- I think master's is like two years sometimes. It too. is. And when you were describing sort of like getting there and being like, ooh, this is where I belong. And like everyone here is like, as obsessed with this stuff as I am, I realized I wanted to go into public health and then going to public health school. As soon as I got there, I was like, oh, everyone here is as nerdy about this stuff as I am. And it's really funny now when like I look online with like my old peers from university, like how a lot of us went in completely different directions. Like we've studied one thing, but ended up doing something completely different. But that's just life, I guess. So, you know, I've thought about that too, because I did too, right? Like I, I went, I was pre-med and uh, moved away from poor, my poor dad was, he's a physician. He's like, <laughs> kind of like you, like, I need one of you. And our little brother is a, is a doctor, but you know, till the very end, he's like, I need one of you to be a doctor. Come on. <laughs> well, and I think he would not have cared except for, I was like, I want to be a doctor. And then I was like, no. And then Kosha was like, I also want to be a doctor and was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but there's another sister between um, Kosha and our brother, who's the youngest, who is never going to be a doctor. Yeah. And he never was, he never pushed her or anything like that. You know, there's a lot of people who go in thinking they're going to do one thing and then they do kind of a left turn or even like a slight, you know, curve or something. Because also asking an 18 year old or 21 year old what you want to do for the next 50 years 
is a big ask like yeah. for such a young kid yeah did you feel like right when you got to animation school were you like oh this is where I'm like these are my people like yes and no yes like this is what I want to learn this is what I want to be doing but then it's funny because when I graduated um from the animation program I didn't work at an animation studio I went to a game studio right through a connection that I had made through university that I like he kind of told his supervisor about me and was like oh she might be a good fit but obviously it was like the skills that I polished through animation school that probably helped a lot but I just want to say like since we're talking about animation school, I don't think now, like anyone listening to this, I don't think animation school is like the make or break thing, right? Because there's a lot of online resources. There's a lot of online courses that can be just as beneficial. Ultimately, it depends on your portfolio and it depends on your body of work. That will get you, that will get you work. And I think, especially now, when I was a student, I think there's a lot more importance placed on you have to have a BA program or you have to have some sort of education. But nowadays, now that like through social media and like just seeing people's art all over the place, like and how accessible people's portfolios are, it's not as important. As long as you can demonstrate that you understand color theory and all these different like, you know, like perspective or whatever it is you're trying to get into, that stands out more than going to like XYZ school. So what are the sort of key areas? You're talking to two people who are very, we have a deep appreciation for art, but a very shallow understanding of what are the different skills that you need to have to be an artist, like to really, particularly this, the type of art that you do. So you talked about color theory and you talked about perspective. What are those key areas that you really need to master? Yeah. So with through animation school, like any other program, there's branches, right? So like you can be an animator, you can be a character designer, you can be a background designer, background painter, color designer, which is like someone's already designed the stuff and then you like use color theory to like make really compelling designs or like like palettes, right? Um, special effects, you know, like there's there's so a storyboarding, there's different avenues you can go down. And in my, so in the last, in the second year of my program, that's when they kind of do the same thing. Like, oh, what do you want to do in the animation industry? Like, what is it you want to focus on? And I said character design, but I ended up going into games, which you kind of have to do a bit of everything um, because you have to animate for the, for the games. You got to create the character designs. You have to like do a little bit of special effects. It's a different pipeline. Um, but it was the, I guess like the reason why I ended up there was because it was part of um, a studio, like an animation studio. And they had like their own little game design section where they made games based on their um, properties. So that's like, I think why I kind of like it was mobile games too, right? So like I started there and then like I kept going in that direction. Yeah, I, uh, we're not good drawers, Shayla, she and I, and I actually was drawing. As evidenced by the fact that Kosha just said drawers. <laughs> like, like that's how, that's not what people actually, if you are someone who draws, you don't call yourself a drawer. You can. Do you call yourself an artist? I feel like like calling myself an artist is really pretentious. Like I'm an artist. Like, <laughs> no, it's not pretentious. Do you do art? It's pretentious if I call myself an artist. 
I mean, it's like, I feel like artists, okay, it's not pretentious, but it's more so like, it's so vague. I understand. I don't think it's pretentious because you are an artist, but I understand why you think it sounds pretentious because there are people who have co-opted that. It's like calling yourself an artiste. Like, it's just not. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, that's what that that's how I read it in my head when you said that. I was like, there's an E at the end. Yeah, like a, <laughs> and like you have a beret on and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and so, like I wear a striped shirt. And yeah, stuff. and you're like, I only drink espresso or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny because like after I graduated and I when I was working in the mobile games industry for a few years, like I tried to explain my job to my parents, but I think, or like, you know, like uncles and aunties, but then they're just be like, oh, so you do computers. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I do computers. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> I do computers. Well, and how much of that came from your parents trying to explain what you do to your uncles and aunties? Because like, I know well, I'm in sales, right? So that was almost like, I'm, a, I'm in pharmaceutical sales and my dad's a physician. So there was almost like an embarrassment to say what I did for a little while. And then for like Shayla she, there was like, I, we do not understand what she does. So, so like, you know, it, they would, we had to almost quote, dumb it down for them. And then they would either extrapolate from what we said or quote, dumb it down even more for their friends or uncles and aunties. So then you get to, you do computers. So yeah. yeah. Or like, I feel like it was easier for people to understand like because like I don't like over explaining myself either so like I would just be like oh yeah I work in the video game industry or I work in the animation industry because it's it's like if I say like oh I'm I work in dev or development for mobile games and then it's like okay but what do you do so it's like I do all the I do the animation I'm part of a team like it's just like it's too much so it's just like if people don't aren't very familiar with um if they're not very familiar with what it takes to be in games and stuff like I'm just talking about people that are from an older generation like like grandparents like uncles and aunties like yeah like sometimes I would say like yeah I work in in mobile games like I I'm an artist but sometimes if I was just trying to avoid the conversation I'd be like I work in the games industry I work in animation industry yeah I can understand that especially because then like you open it up too much and then you're stuck in this explaining cycle. Yeah. 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 Oh wait, no, not that. No, not that. No, kind of like this. It's kind of like this. And then, and then it's like, and then it ultimately it's like, oh, so you you do drawings and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. I mean, except for, you know, like you do drawings makes it sound like you're basically like, so I remember when I was about 10, nine ten I had this like obsession with fashion it's like I like I first of all like I could draw but then I would do drawings that's what I did I did drawings and they were the they were not good drawings like my people's bottom halves are just like triangles <laughs> everyone had to wear a skirt no <laughs> or killed or killed yeah. <laughs> right and they're their shoes were basically like little spikes on the end of their feet. Yeah, so it was a circle with a line for a With like jagged little things at the bottom. <laughs> right. So that's also when someone says like you do drawings, like that's a drawing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I, when I'm drawing things, I'm a drawer. 
Like I am draw, <laughs> I am the person who is drawing. Doesn't mean it's good, but I was trying to explain. And my daughter Anu is is she's a pretty good artist. Like she definitely has her own style. Um, she has things that like she's trying to convey. She's pretty good, and you can see like. Uh, like I think part of the evolution of you as an artist kind of shows you as an artist for me my like nothing has evolved I'm still drawing the exact same way as I did when I was seven um but I was draw I was trying to explain in my little pony there's like three different kinds of ponies and I was trying to explain the differences and the my ponies didn't look right <laughs> so I was like why do my ponies look like hippos and my daughter, who was five at the time, goes, uh, because ponies have manes. <laughs> so I had just like drawn like a, a big potato body. Yeah, a body <laughs> with like a bulbous head and like sticks for legs. And I did the tail and I did the tail like not just like a circle, but like it was it's like a hair. very fancy tail. Right. And <laughs> and I didn't put mane like there's an attention to detail when you're, when, that's when you call yourself an artist. Yeah. Where you have an eye for that. Yeah. Right. Or you can tell that your mom is a drawer and a bad one because she didn't put manes on the ponies. Also horses, as Anu said earlier in this, like she couldn't get the, she couldn't get the morphology right. She couldn't get the, the structure right for a horse. And that's why she didn't draw that. And you're like, it's fine. It could be a potato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think like I had an eye back then for like what constituted as a good horse drawing, but it's like, but I'm not going to try, but it's like, what my mind, mind's eye sees is different from what my hands can execute. So it's fine. <laughs> no, what's in my mind's eye is very different than what my yeah. hand is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very different. But I, but what I cannot do is go okay, this is how I have to change my drawing to make it look like what's in my mind's eye. It will come out looking like that at it, like a potato <laughs> with no mane every single time. Someone, someone goes, someone's like, uh, why is my little pony made of like angry bulldogs? Like when I show them the picture, <laughs> it's real bad. It's real, I still have the picture. It's real bad. I'm going to send them to you. You can critique them for me. You're, you're going to be like, you're right. You are a drawer. <laughs> and a bad one. <laughs> I mean, the good news is I eventually learned how to draw a horse, so. <laughs> it's, was that through animation school or is that something that you just had to work on? I actually, no, I, I actually get forced. This. I'm getting this. <laughs> I forced myself to like learn how to draw at least a few animals in animation school, just because like, you know, like getting a job, you need to know how to draw multiple different things. So I was like, okay, I will figure this out one way or the other. And I did. Well, she so. knows how to draw like several different kinds of skirts. Like she yes. could draw like, short, short skirt. She could go out. She could probably do an A line or a mermaid. Yeah, or, or I could do a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> but there are lots of different ways of being an artist, and there are lots of different ways of being creative. No, that's that's actually that's a really important point because when I studied commercial animation, they kind of teach you a certain way to draw, like in a way that's marketable and appealing to animation studios. Interesting thing that I want to kind of discuss with you is that. I, before animation school, I think my drawings are really experimental. Like I did like these really, just really interesting, weird things that ne didn't necessarily follow any sort of structure or rule set, 
they just were like really flowy, interesting characters and just things, right? I was very, I was a lot looser back then. And I think one thing about animation school is that I got so caught up in like learning anatomy, learning best practices that I kind of lost some of that creativity that I used to have when it came to just personal art. Um, I started to like think of it more as like, what is more marketable? That was something that took a lot of time to come back to, I think. I, uh, when I was in animation school, I was so kind of caught up in this like, okay, what constitutes for a good portfolio? Like I should have these kinds of characters. I should have these kinds of characters. But then that's when that light switch came off in my head. It's like, all I ever draw are like our white people or like just whatever I see on TV. Like I should draw people who look like me in my portfolio. And I really love folk tales, like Indian folk tales. And I love mythology. Like this is why don't I throw this in my portfolio? And so I started to kind of dabble in that, but I didn't really, I wasn't very confident about it. One of the reasons I was drawn to your stuff is I've never, ever seen illustrations like that. It was not just a brown person in a sari in like an old palace in India, right? Or whatever. There's a lot of artists, right? Like even now, even 10 years ago that were doing beautiful illustrations of like Indian characters and stuff like that. But I think my thing was, it's like, how do I put this like animation spin on it? How do I make it so that these are characters that we could like imagine that were in, that are in a show or in a comic book, right? Because that's what appealed to me. And so that's what I started to kind of do. This was an animation school that you started getting into it. Like you're looking at your portfolio and you're like all the white people. Yeah, because like, okay, so I was starting to look at past students, like alumni, to like look at their portfolios, like what got them jobs. And one thing I noticed was that I'm like, there's not a lot of multicultural, multiculturalism happening here. And I'm like, I should, like, I want to draw stuff that I see around me that like that kind of celebrates my culture, that celebrates who I am, that's not a stereotype. Because all the Indian art I had ever seen before that was like these beautiful Mughal paintings that I'm sure we've all seen or like ancient Indian art. Of a time and of a style and zero, not zero percent contemporary. Yeah, but like, and there were, there were some contemporary artists, like I didn't know about them at the time. I found out more through like social media because I was, this is like 10 years ago, right? Like, so like I wasn't really on Instagram or anything. So I just wanted to do something that felt authentic to me. Um, that I that made me excited to draw because that like I said that kind of um, even though I wasn't as loose with my art or like as experimental I started to feel find passion to draw again through creating characters that looked like me right or like looked like my mom or looked like my dad and stuff like that um, so I very cautiously started to dip my toes and sketch some like South Asian characters and I remember I went with some of my classmates to this animation expo in Burbank um, and they're doing portfolio reviews and so I just showed what I had so far and this industry um, artist that I really look up to her name is Claire Hummel and she I, I'll never forget it she was so encouraging when she saw that she's like this is something that you need to keep going with she's like I, I don't see enough of this that like set off like this huge switch in my head it's like I need to like do this forever now <laughs> When she said, like, there's not enough of this, that's what kind of switched off in my head. It's like, there isn't enough of this. Like, I want to keep doing this because I felt like there wasn't enough of this either. It is really gratifying to, like, hear someone you look up to, like, really resonate with your work. But it really did 
energize me. And fast forward a little bit, I got my first job. And I, this is when it really started to sink in, like that feeling of, oh man, I used to be so creative. And I had this like way like that where I could always draw whatever I wanted. Because when you start working, you're working in a style that's set by that studio and you're doing it all day. And then when you come home, you're just like, I don't want to draw. Um, or you don't feel inspired, right? So, but that was around the time, about six months into my first job that I opened up uh, an Instagram account and I just started posting stuff I like to draw on there. And that was animation. Yeah, I was like, no one wants to see my own personal art. Like, who cares, right? Like, that's just for me. But then um, it was through animation school that's like, no, like I want to share my art and put it out there because hopefully if someone, like maybe someone else feels the same way, maybe they will resonate with my art and be like, hey, I'm South Asian as well. Like, this is so cool. I was trying to like, I didn't know, I didn't have like this like online kind of, I was starting from scratch, like before I used like a pseudonym, but now it's like, I'm using my name and I just want to see where I can take this or like what happens. I don't think I had any major expectations at that time. I just wanted a place to post my work. But I can see that like your style has evolved. So I think it's really normal and it's expected that an artist's style changes over time. Um, like you can see, like if you go back to my first uh, few posts um, and then I eventually like things might even like my interests in what I wanted to draw change because then it's like, oh, I love Indian fashion. I'm going to draw illustrations based on Indian fashion. And then I'm like, no, I want to do these like really sassy, snarky brown girls that are just like, F you, like patriarchy, like, you know, like that kind of thing. And then at the same time, parallel to all of this, like I'm learning more on the job. Like, I feel like I'm getting better. I'm polishing my skill set. And then it's like, you know, I love visual development. I want to do more illustration work. I want to dabble in backgrounds. I want to do more interesting lighting and like illustrate like scenarios, not just like a person standing there, right? And then I'm like, well, now I really like drawing expressive characters because that's when I was starting to get really interested in like pursuing like, yeah, like maybe graphic novel work one day or something. And then it's just like, you can kind of see like where like my thought process changed when you look at all my old work. I do like this. On May 22nd, 2016, you drew uh, Transforming into a Vengeful Warrior Queen. Is That horse does not look like my horse. <laughs> see, that horse is like, that's, that's because I learned in animation school how horse anatomy works. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good horse. I forgot to draw, like, I didn't understand how, like, riding equipment works. So she's not holding on to the, whatever it's called, like, the little... The reins. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, oh, she should have that. Whoops. Like... <laughs> no, but she's a, she's a warrior queen. So yeah, she doesn't care. Absolutely... She just, she can just jump on the horse and ride off into the sunset. Kosha, you found, like, my angry, like, Indian Devi air arc, <laughs> like... Yeah, it's funny though, because it's like life. Okay, this is another really important thing that I realized is that life experiences also indicate your artistic journey as well. And that's just like life in general. But I feel like to be a good artist, good and bad things, right? Like they really help you kind of open your eye up to different ways of um, telling stories visually as well. Yeah, absolutely. It would be very sad if we stayed the same from the time we started doing something right till the time that we stopped doing it and our life experiences didn't influence our work. Ultimately, 
we all get bored if we do the same thing over and over again. And then the heart starts to suffer in the sense of like, the work doesn't show that you're really loving it or really engaged. It's just like, oh, here's another drawing of this thing or that thing. Style and stuff like that and is subjective, right? But like, I think the messaging is something that people can pick up on that's very clear. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of art you do or what your painting style is or anything like that. But like, if you've experienced something or if you have that eye for something to understand what that emotion feels like, it comes across very clearly. Yeah, absolutely. As I'm looking through your pieces, it looks like you have some social commentary that comes through a lot of your work. So is this something you're trying to do or you just wanted to draw stuff that looked like you and you stumbled into social commentary art? Well, I, I think that social justice is something that's always been really important to me because that's what I was raised like believing in. Because I always knew that there was this like awful colorism issue that was happening, like especially perpetuated in Bollywood and just like in society in general, right? So then I was really happy when the organizations of the Dark Skin Goddess reached out to me, project reached out to me because I was like, this is my chance to like participate and like create something that celebrates that like there shouldn't, that shouldn't, something like that shouldn't even matter. One thing I always wanted to make sure is like, I didn't want all of my characters to look the same. I wanted like different types of um, South Asian women to be represented. And it's like, yeah, I can probably do a lot more. And, and it's like, it is hard though. It's like when you're working, like when you draw for a, like a living and you have, and you try to make time to draw as well. Like it's, I have millions of ideas. Like I have a notebook where I write down everything I want to draw. And I have ideas for like, introspective comics and things that I want to do it's just like I, I want to keep doing all these things so I just try to do it when I can you do this for your nine to five gig you know this is your job and then to turn around and do the same thing when you get home is it takes a lot of discipline to be like I already just did this all day and now I, even though I love this I like could could use a mental break because also you want to come back to it with freshness right you don't want to be like Ugh. I put a lot of pressure on myself like I think this is something I learned along the way is that I put so much pressure on myself to be like I need to like post a certain amount every day because other artists post a lot like you know like you fall into this comparison trap it becomes less of like a, I'm doing this because it makes me happy and like I'm doing this to like appease some algorithm or I'm doing this to I don't know it's just it becomes so superficial and that's when like I've taken a lot of like breaks over the years from drawing like and posting it's like ultimately that's not sustainable to be like I I can't I can't do this all the time and I feel like people who follow me they know what I'm about right they know what's important to me and they know the type of work that I love to create so it's really important to have boundaries and I think there was a time when I was okay so here's the thing so like in my earlier jobs like because I was working at studios where the work that I did at work was so different in style and just like technique from what I did for myself that I had that energy to like run home and like create my own work, right? But here's the thing now, like the work that I'm doing now in my career, like the book stuff and like where I'm at in like the games industry, I get to, I feel much more creatively fulfilled with my work that I feel like I don't have the bandwidth sometimes like create my own stuff just because it's like I'm happy with my work I'm happy with where I am in my life yeah the itch is getting scratched at work for eight hours so you don't have to take that time 
to do it at home because you're getting that fulfillment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing I always wanted that was important to me is like, I just want to draw like brown kids, just being brown kids and just being funny and cool. And the fact that I got to illustrate the Arusha graphic novel, like that's, that's, that's the whole book is just kids being hilarious, right? And like little brown kids being hilarious. My daughter and I have been following that series since it first came out. And the, the last book just got released like at the beginning of April. They were supposed to be out on the same day, but then there was like shipping or supply chain issues. So then the graphic novel got pushed back two weeks. Um, I just bought my copies the other day. So I'm really excited. Um, it's what do you just, mean it's, you bought your copy? Don't they just give no, you? No, I mean, I got my copies. Yeah, oh, they, oh they, you got it. I thought you said you bought she's it. She's Canadian. Like, she's not Chicago. So that's where it sounded. It did sound like bought. No, no, no. They they graciously sent me like a little box of books. So I um, that was a crazy moment because that was like a year of my life almost working on that. And so holding it in my in my hands and just looking at it, I was like, wow, this is going to take less than 20 minutes to like finish reading. <laughs> <laughs> it took me so long to like illustrate this damn book. Yeah, you're like, these assholes I, won't even understand. They won't understand like how long this one scene took. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because the we just talked to one of Kosha's best friends who's an author who's written a series of books it's the same story that we sort of heard the same, the same echo of, you know, people think you just write it and then you're like done and it's over. And yeah. said they don't, people don't know the amount of time that goes into writing, rewriting, editing, 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 go back and forth, all the back and forth that come, that goes with the publication process. And then like they tear through the book in a day or whatever it is. Right. And they're like, Oh, that was easy. Well, yes, it's easy to read. But that's like, but then it's like, if you were managed to accomplish something that's easy and like enjoyable to read, like that's like a mark of success as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Like people don't really appreciate how much work goes into creating a piece of art, whether it's, you know, visual or written or auditory, whatever it is. Like, it's not like you just sit down and you're like done. Over. That's okay. So that's, that's another thing that's like been always been a challenge to me is like, when I tell people what I do, it's like, oh, your job sounds so easy. Like, that's an easy job. Like I could do that. And it's like, who are those people? Well, it's it, like, they think that you're going to work and like having fun, but like you're playing, you're just like doing what you do. You're so good at drawing, right? You're such a good artist. It might just be so fun and easy to do that. What does that matter with people? <laughs> You know, what Emily said, what my friend who's the author said was like that the the media and like movies and TV also doesn't do you any justice when it comes to the creation process, right? Like as a writer, it's like you just sit down and like the muse plays with your fingers while you're typing. And as an artist, you get this beautiful idea and you just like draw and then paint it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, so gorgeous. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. no nobody sees like the like the version that you spent 12 hours on and then ultimately scrapped or like all the sketches that it took to come up with the concept and then it like just like the second guessing when you're like done with it it's like am I done with it I don't even know if I like this anymore or you're like um, does an eyebrow even go there like I wonder like where you <laughs> right. see something so many times or it's just like I can't I don't want to draw any more horses yeah. <laughs> <So stop. laughs> horses are dead to me now I just think about like 
just to look at a writer, you know, that's like well known in the popular culture and popular media is, is Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City, right? And she doesn't do any editing on her columns or anything. She's just like, click, 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 here you go. I've never watched Sex and the City, but I know all about Carrie Bradshaw and I've seen all these like financial videos where they like break down her lifestyle and they're just like, there's no way she could afford any of this. Like she'd be on the poverty line. Absolutely. I mean, not only that, but like, so she has this gorgeous apartment in Manhattan that she she is a newspaper columnist. Once a week columnist. Right. And spends $40,000 on shoes. So that's a whole nother thing. But even like the characters from Friends, they couldn't live in their apartments. And Chandler works for some sort of like financial analysis. He does some sort of analysis. People on sitcoms don't have real jobs. Like it's like it, it makes no it doesn't make any sense like when the real world. So like your your stuff is like I've noticed that a lot of the stuff you're pulling now is making these very classic white characters, right? Uh, heroines and stuff into Indian characters. So like you have a Rapunzel, you have a Shira. That kind of thing. That's kind of like an ode to my childhood and the things that I loved and like kind of maybe it's maybe it is like a bit of a self insert. I don't know, but it's just something that why not? Right. Because it's like it it was really fun. Like that kind of stuff is what just like, I like to like, if I want to relax and have fun, like I love to draw that kind of thing. And it's more, it just goes back to my, like, it's important for us to be able to see ourselves in these stories. Right. And it's not like, this is a story about a white character. This is a story about not Brown people. It's like, we can be in anything. Right. It's almost as if the rest of us, i.e. not uh, straight white men <laughs> somehow have to justify that we are putting our art out there but like whatever we're doing is stuff that we're interested in and like oh I mean why shouldn't I as opposed to like white dudes are doing it it's all white dude stuff everything is white dude stuff even women characters are drawn the way white dudes would like to see that right or written the way white dudes would like to see that the Wonder Woman movies were directed by a woman Patty Jenkins and the costuming and the positioning of the characters were very clearly done from a female eye, not sexualized. The, the costumes are clearly warrior costumes. Now, if you compare that, and I don't know if you watch any of these, but if you compare that with the Justice League movies, when they show those Amazons, that is very clearly done from a male, male gaze. Eye, yeah. Right. That is those costumes, the Amazon costumes are way too sexualized. Yeah. And also I, um, I haven't seen the full thing, but like, I watched a bit of it like at my boyfriend's house, but like I could immediately tell whenever Wonder Woman entered the frame, like it's like this weird upshot of her back or like her figure or like her chest. And I'm just like, what is this? I will, I will say that the one that the Zack Snyder version that came out is so, so, so much better than the one that they released in the theater. Cause that one was done by what's his face, JJ Abrams. I, think. I heard that. Yeah. I, I, I learned about that later that there's like two versions or something. Right. And so he, that one that came out in the theaters was so it's not JJ Abrams. It's a guy who did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. Right. Jay's Jay's. But that version was like, all of this stuff is like, it's his vision of what a woman would do in that situation. And then you compare it to the Zack Snyder version, which is so much more, it doesn't have that male gaze on it. Like it puts her back into a position of power. And why should we, as anyone who's not in the white 
you know, cisgender male, straight cisgender male population have to have to justify why we're putting our work out there, why our perspective on, well, I like this stuff as a kid too, right? And yet, like your work with Shira is so beautiful. My daughter loved that, the reboot of it. And before it all came out, all these older white dudes were like, why does she look like a little girl? Because she's a little girl. Yeah. And then, yeah. And people are like, why is Glimmer not white? And why is so and so, why is Bo black? Like, that's why, that's why I drew that. I was like, screw you guys. Shira's brown now too. So. You keep fucking it up for yourself. I will, every time you complain, I'm making her brown. I'm making that. Yeah. Every time someone says something, I'm going to draw more brown. There's there's a brown Rapunzel. There's a brown Ariel. I love it all. Like they're just. Yeah. It's just like, I'm just like, you you need to understand like half the reason why I do this is to troll people. So I'm just. Yeah. That's That's amazing. I'm just kidding. The same way that, you know, this live action Little Mermaid, the, the Ariel character is not white. And people are like she's white. It was like she's a mermaid. She's a mermaid. It's not a thing. Yeah, they're not real. She, be, she should actually be like green, blue, because she's scales of a fish. And you would, if you were a person in the water and had fish, you would want to blend in with the water. That's what fish do. People need to calm down. Like it's it's fine. Like especially white dudes need to calm the fuck down. But you shouldn't have to sit there and talk about representation. That's why I asked that question about like your social commentary was like, is this something you're trying to do or does it just end up happening because you happen to be drawing something that represents somebody else? That's what I mean. Like, I think it just ends up happening because it's like, for example, I love drawing Indian fashion. I love Royal Indian kind of stuff. So like I draw a lot of brown girls wearing beautiful clothing, but then it's like, I also draw like kids running around and being crazy. You know, like in Western society, when people think of brown people, like it's like, oh, Bollywood, right? It's like, no, that's, there's so much, it goes back to that. Like, I don't see why it's so shocking to understand that we're not all engineers and we're not all like Bollywood dancers. Like we're just having fun. And if it's totally like, you know, like picture book illustrators draw little kids having fun all the time so why can't they be brown kids right and that's really important to me and that's why I draw those characters love that I'll say two things I love the fact that you're like I do this just to troll people (laughs) I mean one I love it but also it's an added benefit that it pisses people off (laughs) or the other way around I do this to piss people off and it's an added benefit that I love doing it yeah I mean I did like I, I love doing it but then when people like have issue with it I'm like I'm just gonna keep drawing it like yeah, I you're like, <laughs> your hatred fuels my creative fire. Basically. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, can you come here for a minute? Before we move on, can we have this? Do you know who that is? Hi. Do you know who that is? That's Anu. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Anu. Oh, nice to meet you. That's Animation. We have the same name. Yeah. How many how many pictures do you have um, with uh, of Anu's prints? A lot, a lot. Do you have a favorite? Um, I think the sun and moon. Oh, the sun and moon one. Yeah, where they're hugging, and they do a show and tell. What did you take? Uh, the pictures. That's so cool. I'm really happy you like them. And it makes me really happy that you have so many of them. It's like you have your own collection. And I'm really happy to meet you today. 
I want to see, I want to see your drawings too. Should we send her some pictures? Of? Okay. Sorry. She really, she really, really wanted to say hi. So I, no, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. That made my day. <laughs> Do you have a sense for where your work is, is leading you next? And sort of like, what do you have a, any insight into sort of what the next, you know, evolution of your work, either what the topics might be or the themes might be, or what direction you might want to take um, your work in terms of like focusing on a certain style or a certain yeah. learning to I, draw cats instead of horses, <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I think right now, yeah, I feel really fortunate that the work that I'm able to do celebrates what I or it has been achieving what I was doing for myself like the books that I've been illustrating all feature brown kids right or characters and I just wrote a book about a little fam like a Sikh family like mine right and so that's in the works so I feel like like this is all kind of really inspired me to continue with visual storytelling and I used to do a lot of comics a few years ago on my Instagram and share those my hope like I can't, I'm not, I know I'm not posting as much as I used to. And I've kind of come to terms with that. I'm okay with that um, because I feel like these projects that I'm able to work on, they take a long time, but when they're ready, I feel like I'm really proud of the stories that they tell, right? Um, so that's what I want to keep doing is like, I want to keep continuing to do visual storytelling, not necessarily books, but even through illustrations. I want to try to open up more and just kind of do, I don't know what they're called, but just kind of like one-off slice of life illustrations and stories because that's where I feel like my heart is leading me right now is just like just like lifestyle stuff right I, I that said like I still love drawing girls with swords and like really like powerful characters and like superheroes and things like that but I also just want to draw things that just that just like I just want to be like through my art like I like I want it to be kind of like I'm illustrating like a page of my diary or like a page of my 10 year old self's diary sure oh you don't want to see my 10 year old self's diary i mean you don't want to see my actual <laughs> 10 year old self like, you Your know aspirational 10 year old self can you can you tell us a little bit about the book you just finished it's gonna be my author illustrator debut um it's a picture book about a little girl and her mom and her grandma and how their kind of traditional um, tra tradition of putting hair oil on every Sunday, um, how that's kind of gone through the generations and how that keeps going and how that girl feels like it's like this really important kind of ritual that they always do and like it holds power in it or magic in it. But ultimately, of course, learning that it's not like magic magic, but it's more so like how it makes her feel and how it brings family together. Oh, that's lovely. And now this is the part the part where we get to plug some of your stuff. Your Barth Natyam in Ballet Shoes just came out a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. That's um that's the first fully illustrated um book that I've ever worked on. Picture books don't take as long as graphic novels, so that was more like 4 months of work and then Arusha was like 11 months of work. With Arusha, did you also have to do a lot of back and forth with the author, i.e. You're, you're representing her story. So did she have any, maybe not veto is the right word, but did she provide any input or was like, ah, no, this isn't quite right? Like, was there a lot of back and forth with her? 
actually no and there wasn't a lot with the Bharat Natyam book either um this is something that not a lot of people know about children's book um publishing and illustration is that there's usually not a lot of contact between the author and the and the artist there's the middle person who's like the editor and like the art director so I would be talking with them and then they would relay my work to the author to see if there was anything that needed to be changed that said though like the author of Arusha like she and I like we became friends through Instagram so like every now and then like oh my god I just had this really cool idea for this spread and then she, but she was really um one thing she made clear to me she's like the stuff for the graphic novel that's your vision like that's my vision so she's like just do what you feel like is cool and she's like I'm probably going to be cool with that and she was really chill um I I feel like the only thing I really needed to like I had a conversation with her about was the beginning portion of the book which takes place in like this ancient Indian history museum and I was like what kind of stuff should be in that like what kind of um, kind of like just I had examples for like even just like stuff like how what's the layout of the museum like is there a real museum that you went to that kind of inspired the look of that and there was and she sent me like a whole bunch of like pictures and stuff like that so that was very helpful that's cool yeah that's I, and I didn't know that at all I assumed it was like well I wrote the story so now I have some say over what happens directly and it sounds like there is but it's like it, it, it's also it depends because some okay so like I got kind of lucky and I, I like working this way is that I didn't get a lot of notes on how to I've, I've worked on three books now um I didn't get a ton of direction like they're just like just interpret the pages how you however you interpret it and I kind of like that um but I do know that some publishers and some authors they like to tell the artist what to draw on each page right so I guess it just depends um and so far with the projects that I've worked on that hasn't been the case I see that might also be sort of like it, that might be very much a people who like that style work with other people who like that style yeah 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 I mean it would be interesting one day like to work on a project like that to see uh, it'd be interesting to be like because clearly that means like the authors really visualized something for that image so it's like it would be interesting to see like my, if my vision aligns with theirs, right? But you know, like a lot of artists really like that. They want that guidance too, right? So yeah, it's it just depends. It's like, depends on the person. Absolutely. So our second to last question is what, you know, you had referred to it before or you'd alluded to it before, which is if someone was at the same place you were when thinking about going to university or they're in high school and they're, you know, they're, they're like, oh, I love art but it doesn't seem like something I could pursue for a living or they are in, they're in this position you were in before where you're like, well, I am in the studio and this is all I do. And feel like my individuality is like being sucked out of my work. What advice do you have for someone in that position or for yourself, you know, 10 years ago or when you were starting out, like, what would you say to that person um, about their journey and sort of how they should approach their choices? I think the most important thing to understand about this type of career path that I've chosen is that it is very hard to get, you know, like to become successful to, especially if you want to become known for your own style, that is really hard, right? So, but it, it's worth it. We just have to be like, it's, it's so easy to say you just got to be confident and believe in yourself and keep working 
that's really true though because I didn't have confidence when I was in my early 20s and in high school like I feel like maybe I could have been where I wanted to be earlier instead of now in my 30s like because I just second-guessed myself so much along the way and I think I held myself back from applying to positions where maybe I could have gotten the job or maybe I could have done something or whatever but I just I stopped myself right so I don't want to see more people do that but that said, I feel like there are so many resources now online that I didn't know of in the past um, with mentorship programs like Rise Up Animation is one that I can think of that's really great, which is a mentorship program for people of color who are wanting to get into the animation industry. They do tons of panels and ton they always in invite industry experts to talk about their um, journey to where they got and like just like tips in general. And you can sign up to um, receive a mentor um, to like, you know, do like portfolio reviews and things like that. Um, there are tons of online courses. Like I said earlier, you don't have to go to animation school. Um, things like schoolism are great because, you know, you can kind of learn at your own pace. Um, they have programs where you can kind of be part of a curriculum or some semester where you do have, you're in direct contact with like an instructor as well. That's just one example, but there's tons, right? I, I really just think like maybe it was just the time that I was born and like the time I entered the industry, like these things didn't quite exist. And I didn't see people who looked like me in animation. I didn't know, I maybe like one other person that was in animation who was brown. And now I know tons of people who are brown that work in animation and they have, some of them are like producing their own shows, right? So it's really inspiring to see them succeed. And I think, if I saw that before, maybe that might have given me more of the kick in the butt that I needed. But, you know, who's to say I still am very proud of what I was able to accomplish. And there's no shame in kind of walking away from something for a bit and coming back to it. There was there was some time when in between my uh, studio work that I actually just worked in an office because I was kind of over it and I didn't know what direction to go into next. And before I jumped into doing freelance and ultimately landing like my book work, right? So life takes you in different directions. And I think the more you're open to that, like, like I wasn't afraid. I was afraid to fail at the time, but now looking back, it's like, I'm kind of glad that everything happened for a reason, right? So. Can you talk a little bit about your comfort level with rejection? Cause I know that in the creative field, it, it, you get a lot of no's, right? Like, it, yeah, I've been rejected countless times. Yeah. You could be the best of the best, which you are, and you're still rejected. So what has your relationship been with rejection? It's been, that's, it's been hard, right? Because that's kind of what I alluded to earlier. Like I didn't have, like, I would get a rejection and I would just lose all my self-confidence, right? Like I took it very personally when I was younger. Um, I remember applying to jobs, getting like five rejections or just being ghosted and never hearing back. And like, obviously, when you don't know how to not take that personally, you're just like, wow, I suck. Like, I'm never, I should just give up. Like stuff like you get, you start to think like that, right? So I, it really does take time to understand that rejections are normal. And ultimately with art, it's subjective, right? Somebody might love your art. Somebody might hate your art. Like, I'm really happy you two love my art. I'm sure there's people that are like, she's all right. So it's They're fine, wrong. right? Like, wrong. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it's fine <laughs> because it's just like, it's, it's not for everyone, right? And like, you have to like, kind of just 
take it all in stride and just keep keep going right and I'd be a liar if I still didn't get like kind of bummed out by rejection I still do like I applied for a job last year and I thought I was a shoe and I didn't get in like I was really upset after but then I'm thankfully at a position now where I'm like but I have a lot of other really cool stuff going for me so I shouldn't be sad like I have to just keep going um it's really important also to like be mindful of burnout right because we put a lot of expectation on ourselves like I got to keep drawing I got to keep making amazing stuff like oh I should I haven't posted on Instagram in like two like in two weeks now what like that kind of stuff like who cares right like just never force creativity either like I have become so chilled out about that kind of stuff that it's really given me a lot more inner peace where it's just like I can focus on my work and I it's okay if I'm not posting stuff constantly like it's just that's not like my biggest concern these days my biggest concern is taking care of myself making sure I don't reactivate my tendonitis injury in my elbows oh yeah (laughs) that's I mean that's huge I think you know one thing that's really different though about say anyone else's not anyone else's but certainly you know if I apply for a job and um I don't get it it's not like they're like oh I can go like oh that's they didn't want what I had or whatever like Mm -hmm. there must have been a better candidate but when as an artist I can only imagine that like your heart and your soul is in your work yeah and so when you it's you're putting yourself out there you're not just like hey I can do finance for you it's you know I can do spreadsheets it's this is who I am and then you go do you like it and people go no, it's garbage. Like, that's not yeah. what you're saying. No, it, that's, that's what, what I mean. It it's like. so hard. It's really, really hard to like divide that, like that sense of like rejection is okay, but I'm pouring my soul into my art and it sucks when somebody doesn't like it. Like it, it does suck, right? Yeah, and that's why I said like, I'd be lying if I didn't get upset about it, but it's not killing my confidence like it used to. That's something that comes with just, time and you have to be rejected a lot I okay for example um in 2019 I applied to tons and tons of literary agencies because I was like I want an agent I want to work on books I want to illustrate books did not get into any of them right and one day my amazing agent just messaged me on Twitter she just found me somebody um, tagged her in one of my posts and she's like I would love to represent you and I was like down (laughs) And yeah, and she's, it's because of her that I've been able to get work on all these amazing book projects so far. Your story also speaks to the, not the values, not that what I want to say, but just sort of like trusting in the, the, the importance of trusting in the overall process, right? But like, if you force something, maybe it's not the right thing for you. Exactly. Um, and you, you could have just pushed and pushed and pushed and found an agent, but really it's good to have like what, what anyone would want is for the people who work with them to genuinely want to be working together, whether it's art or whether it's, you know, working, doing accounting, like you want everyone to be, everyone to really want to be there and to be working toward the same goal. And it's like, if you force it, it's never quite as good as if you let things happen as they need to happen. Exactly, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, you'll fail, but then things will come around and be like, do you how about this? And it's like, yeah, this is great. And there'll be other things that come along. How about this? And you can say, actually, no, thank you. But thanks for considering me. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. That's fantastic. 
Um, so our last question, unfortunately, we're at our last question, but uh, we on every episode, we talk about um, people and their familect. So can you give us some examples about of your familect in your world? Um, you know, okay, I'll give you a couple of examples. One that like kind of makes me laugh out of context when I think about it is, for example, the word purse, right? Like you have a purse that you put your stuff in. When I'm talking to maybe uh, my friends, I'm like, oh, I bought a new purse. When I'm with my family, when I'm with my sister or whoever, it's like, has anyone seen my purse? Like, I'll just, you know, like, have you seen my purse? Or like, mom, your purse is over there. Like, which is so you'll like, use the word, but you'll put an accent on it. Accent on it. Yeah. <laughs> so we do that with a lot of different, we do that with a lot of different words. Um, and you automatically do it. I just do it yeah it's just like it's just like and sometimes but then we became aware of the fact that we were doing it so then we just kind of like do it on purpose um yeah <laughs> and then and then like I think another one that's like I guess I don't want to talk for everyone but I think it's common in a lot of like Punjabi families is saying the same word twice with like a different kind of like I don't know what okay so example we're having a meeting but I told my parents like I have you know like I have this like meeting meeting happening later oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah 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 or like I'm gonna go do my taxes dukes like you know like, it's just like <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah that right, kind of right thing. yes I don't know what that's called but we do it sometimes you're saying that you say the second word differently yeah <laughs> like have you like oh uh, like do you want some chip chip like you want some <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 oh that's funny I'm not now, now, you know, I'm going to start listening to Punjabi speaking and I'm probably going to yeah. pick it up. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, also, I, ne- I didn't even know that. Ever. I also like, I like taxes, tuxes. I like that. Yeah. Tax tuks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my tax tuks. Yeah. Tax tuks. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Kasha, that's a hundred percent. That's you. so me. That's why I'm like, I want to start doing that. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Well, you, I've been looking forward to this conversation for months and you have just been a joy. Oh, it's been so great. It's been fun and interesting and really illuminating for me to understand, like for the two of us who are like math and science-y type people uh, to understand sort of like, and have some insight into the world of animation and graphic design and, you know, sort of art design, like how, what goes into that. It's so awesome. So I just want to be clear. First of all, ponies have manes, but can you just uh, confirm for me that they're not supposed to look like hippos or angry bulldogs? Is that they, if you if they have a long neck, it'll sell the oh, idea. Of I didn't do the long sell. neck. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think that's right, Kosha. You actually need to like. They can't just be potatoes with smaller potatoes stuck onto them as heads. Yeah, that's what it is. Like their heads are just coming out of their shoulders and I think I just for I just bypassed the neck altogether I think that's my issue so anyway your horses are gorgeous I've seen several of them. <laughs> you've clearly gotten over your issue with inaccurate horse anatomy but um yes yeah you are you're young you're fiery I keep keep fucking trolling I'm so excited yeah thank you so much we're excited for your work. We're excited to see where you go. And when your book comes out, um, your author illustrator book comes out, please come back and talk to us. I will for sure. You've been a joy. You have a wonderful, thank you so much. Have a wonderful time tomb. 
Did I see that right? <laughs> yes, you used it right. Yay. Yeah. Oh, wonderful <laughs> weekend, Wikund. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not that one. <laughs> anyway. I'll just, I'll, I'll edit that part out. Just, just, just make sure you do your tax tweaks. So it's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Anu. It's been such a joy. Thank you.